Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and every week we bring you trending topics from the wine world. everyone and welcome again to the wonderful world of wine. I am your co-host Kim. I'm here with my friend Mark. How are you doing this week, Mark? Hi Kim, how are you? And hello to our listeners again. Yes, hello everyone. I'm doing well. You know, there's uh, definitely some things going on in the wine world. Uh, we're mostly keeping our eyes on fires in California and Oregon and Washington. So that's sort of the big thing at the moment, you know, but we're still keeping track of what's going on with uh, the restaurant side of the industry, because that definitely impacts the wine world as well. So there's always something going on, isn't there? Yeah. Lately, it's more bad news we're reporting than, than good news, but yeah. uh, we'll keep our listeners updated as we keep researching it, Kim. Yeah. So there is one thing that is, uh, I guess you could kind of call it a current event. I'm sure many of our listeners watch the show Shark Tank. And there is wine that pops up on there every once in a while, whether it is uh, new ways to serve wine, sell wine, preserve wine. And host Kevin O'Leary has this stat that he has actually shared a couple of times over the last few years about the average price of a bottle of wine and how much of that wine at that price point is sold across the country. So I, I thought this was a uh, Kind of an interesting, uh, interesting stat that he threw out there. Yeah, and as soon as I heard it, Kim, and you agreed that we should look into this because I'm a huge Shark Tank fan, and I think the episode that drew my attention to his comment, someone was promoting a wine. It was like a catnip for for cats that was you know based on wine, and he was then saying this stat, and he said ninety seven percent of wine sold in America sell for under $12.99. So right away I sent Kim a message and I said, Kim, I just heard this. I heard him say it before. I just can't understand this. And that's how he, he would always use that stat. Anytime someone brought a wine product to him to say the price has to be under this or you just can't sell it in the United States. So I sent uh, Kim a message, Kim, we have to talk about this. And we did our own little research. So I'm interested in what you found out, Kim. So I think this stat is uh, bogus, <laughs> personally. What's interesting was the way that I started out doing some research on this was I Googled him and I Googled this comment from Shark Tank. And he's made this same statement at least three different times over three different years. And then yes. the, and the number is always changing. Yes, so, I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> I can't believe it either. Yeah, so go ahead, So in Kat, 2014... His statement was 97% of wines sold in America are sell for under $10 a bottle. He said this back in 2014. Then in 2017, he said 97% of wines sell under $12 a bottle. And then in 2018, he raised it to $15 a bottle. So his threshold for, but somehow he's always at this 97%. Yeah. And That's I huge. don't really know where he's getting that because I have found other documents that are from well-respected 
research firms and financial firms that track this kind of stuff that actually say it's closer to 83% of wines that are purchased in the United States sell for under $15 a bottle. And this is the most recent data that I could get. So I looked, let's see, I have it right here. It's, um, it's a wine industry report published by a bank in California called the Silicon Valley Bank, and they publish an annual state of the wine industry report. And the most recent data we have is their 2019 report, which has data through 2018. And that one, like I said, says that 83% of wines that are sold in the U.S. are sold for under $15 a bottle. Wow. Not 97% and not $10 a bottle. So we're, we're actually on the same page because all the research, I, I did see the 2014 saying it under $10. I saw the 2017 Carmody made. I could not find the year, the episode that I, I noticed this on where he said it was $14.99. But I did find another 2018 article in March where he stated 97% was $14.99. Yeah. And at that time, he also stated the $15 to $20 range of wines being sold is only a 3% category, which I think is another number that is totally strange. I'm going to see what this uh, Nielsen report said, because that's where the data from the Silicon Valley report came from. And Your number, though, is interesting, Kim, because I didn't see an 83% number. I did see another wine report from 2018 that said 78%. Mm-hmm. The average price is $10. I did a lot of um, adding together of categories because there was a chart in this report that was retail sales, what goes up and what goes down. And they listed the last uh, few years. So it was 2013 through 2018. And in that category, the 15 to 20 it's anywhere between like 8% to 10%, this report is saying. So this report is saying that for the most recent year that they have data for, 10% of wines that were sold were between $15 and $19.99. Yeah, and the 18 report said it was a double-digit growth. It didn't give a percentage, but double-digit growth at $15 to $20 range for wines. So, so, so I think what we're looking at is different groups are crunching numbers in different ways. So they're getting their information from different places. So that's one of the things that I think is making it a little bit confusing because there's more than one source about how you could get these numbers. You know, do you from official tax documents? Is it purchasing from the wholesalers? You know, where do those, where do these numbers actually come from? But I don't feel like that 97% a figure makes any sense just from what we see in the real world it yeah no <laughs> i mean he he sells he has a huge wine company he's invested in most of the things that have gone through the shock tank i can't see why he keeps saying that number knowing no. people like ourselves and other listeners saying man that doesn't sound right but and, even in his own stores because he has these large wine shops they can't possibly only be selling wines under $10 a bottle. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of the research from the 18 report, Kim, was saying this is all uh, off-premise sales. It does nothing to do with restaurants figuring into that price point. Right. So one of the stats was 55% of the wine sold under $8 is under $8, but it doesn't include box wine. 
So it's not bulk wine sales that they do in an average. So say you had a three liter box and it comes down to an average of mm-hmm. $8. They don't even include in that category. Yeah. And if a so, different group is including that in their category, it would definitely change the numbers and change yeah. the percentages. And they're so. saying there was negative growth at anything below eight bucks. So now I'm thinking, I have to ask him this, where are people getting these wines that are under $8 in this range at so much volume? I mean, everybody knows like Trader Joe's. Who do you mean people? Consumers? consumers, Wine consumers. Like when you go in a store, what percentage of wines on the shelves do you see that's a 750 milliliter are under $8? Not very many. Unless you're going to some place that has proprietary labels. So like a Trader Joe's, because there are plenty of things on their shelves that are like four, five, six dollars a bottle. All right. So even Trader Joe's looking at the wine wall in in Trader Joe's, do you think over 50% of their wines are under eight bucks or under 10 bucks? Maybe. Yeah. I I, I just think that the... I haven't paid that, that much attention. I can go look. For that huge amount of wines he's saying to be sold at that price point, the wines you're seeing on a shelf or in stores has to be way over 50%. Yeah. I just don't see it. I mean, we've been in the industry a long time. I just, as a consumer, never mind a wine buyer and a wine geek, I just don't see that price point in that much volume. It's, and it's if you're hard a to. proprietor of a store and you're selling pretty much only wines in that price point, your volume has to be so high to make up for such a slim margin that you have to like really be selling a lot of bottles of wine. If you're only making like a dollar or 50 cents per bottle, you need to sell a lot of wine at that, you know, $5 price point or $6 price point. Yeah. And we talked about costs, like the the two buck chuck, I think it's like $4 now, how much is actually, you know, going into the product mm-hmm. at that price point. Are you familiar with the guy? I believe we've talked articles on him before, but the wine conundrum guy. Yes. He calls himself the cheap wine guy. Yes. So he did a report in 2010 to 2011 that I found saying the average price of wine sold in the U.S. at that time, now this is 10, 11 years ago, was $6.22. The average Price. The average price of a wine being sold in the United States at so that time. So everything being sold, you average it out, you get six six yeah. bucks or so. Yeah, which to me is crazy, right? And one in every four bottles sold, he said at that time, is less than $3. Yeah, I don't even know what you could buy for under $3 a bottle. Yeah, I just don't, I don't understand it. Nine out of 10 bottles, he said, sold is less than 12. So, so it, that's, you know, that's that, and that would be that 90%. Yeah, so then I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm, way out of the loop and I'm buying expensive wines, you know, over 15 bucks all the time. What I Googled, what wines can I buy for under eight bucks? And I found very few things that popped up like review sites or Mm -hmm. any even stores or retailers that had a section that said under, I mean, years ago, there was a big thing like the two for section, right? You you were in retail, right? Yep. What was your two for sections? At that time, you know, years ago, it was two for 10, two for 12, two for 14. And then it started creeping up and it was two for 15 and then two for 16. Yeah. Now two two for, you know, 15, two for 25, that range is more common. You don't see two for eights, two for tens like that. You'd have to pay... For a case of wine, you have to buy under 50 bucks a case, which is like, you can't see that anymore. The whole thing is just, just kind of baffling to me. Mm-hmm. I also saw another report came in January of 2019. 
it said, which was going the other way now, it says consumers are buying wine at higher price levels. And they said, quote, an ongoing premium trend in wines, Mm -hmm. which goes against all of this again. And we didn't even talk about restaurants, but they're saying the off-premise average was actually off-premise. No, they said a point, it didn't make sense. Get away from restaurants. I went off. (laughs) They said the off-premise average is 20% 20 of it pays over 40 bucks, which and that was in the same report saying that 55% is under $8. So yeah, I that makes no sense. <laughs> makes no sense, right? No but, sense at all. So the whole Kevin O'Leary thing, I just feel it, when he says it, it just it just gets me so angry. And I'm glad you got the same research I did yeah. on it. Yeah, this is one of those things where I think it's important for people to use a little bit of common sense and don't believe every stat that you hear because the data... I mean, I'm not saying he's skewing the data intentionally, but he could be working from data that gets that information in a very, very different way from somebody else. So there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of ways to calculate. And then you have to think about, well, you know, if I'm an everyday wine drinker, do I want to be drinking those wines that are $4 a bottle? Maybe you do in certain circumstances. I certainly do enjoy my inexpensive bottles of Trader Joe's wine from time to time. but. You know, just sort of think it a little <laughs> rationally with a little common sense. And yeah, yeah so as a wine buyer, Kim, my, you know, things that make me happy is finding a bottle I can sell for 10 bucks that I think is just good, sure. good to drink. Yeah. I'm never thinking, you know, $8, $6, you know, I, I can't even think of a time someone brought me something in the door that would retail for that on my shelves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, when you were selling 10 years, yeah, ten, I mean, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was so much easier to have someone sell you a case of wine that came in under $100 that you would sell, you know, somewhere around 10. 10 bucks, yeah. But it's it's a lot harder these days. It's a lot harder. Well, I and, just I mean, my sweet spot for wines that I use in my classes and in my tastings is 12 to 25. I mean, there's some there is some really good value things at 10 out there, but for me, I feel like it's you know, 12 is the place to start and then uh, go up from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'm glad we got that out there. And if our listeners have another point of view on that, we'd, we'd love to hear it. And uh, what do you think about the 97% being sold? And if it is true, tell us where it is so Kim and I can, can stock up on some of this. And we love to do this kind of research. So any new information, uh, even if it is different from the, from the data that we found, uh, we'd be happy to hear it. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. For more information on our show, you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We love any questions or comments. Welcome back to The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, we have an article that Kim's been excited to talk about for a while now. It was in Food and Wine magazine, and of course, it has to do with sparkling wine and more related to champagne. And a stat saying that because of the pandemic, champagne sales, Kim, are really down. 
This is another sad story. We seem to be bringing up bad news more and more these days when it comes to wine. Yeah, oh, this is this is a tragic article from Food and Wine um, that because of the pandemic and because of a people not being able to dine out in restaurants as much as before, and uh, B, I don't think people really find much to be celebrating these days, and most people uh, will purchase champagne as a celebratory beverage and not just to you know have with your chicken cutlets on a Thursday night. That the, because consumption of champagne is down, there's less impetus to actually make it this year. So there are a lot of grapes that are just going to kind of not even be turned into champagne and that a lot of the grapes from the vineyards are just going to be let let rot because they're, it doesn't make any sense to make champagne out of them. And I'm like, oh, this is so sad. Yeah. And you know, I knew you'd be sad about it. Kim. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I have buy a more way champagne. to make you happy again, because this was one of those articles when I saw it, I've seen so many articles going the other way on champagne production that I don't know why this article, I mean, obviously the, the sales, people are watching their money. There's like you said, the restaurant sales are way down. There's no one having weddings and huge amounts of champagnes not flowing at social events. But there was also other reports saying that champagne was up like 70% and that the was, they want to actually do things with the production levels to because it's such a great harvest, they're, they're going to cut down what they're going to allow to be bottled, but not because of the pandemic, because they don't want to overproduce. So I saw it both ways. Did Thank you, you for any, that ray of light. Yeah. Did you see any <laughs> ray of other? sunshine? But I mean, it, there was a lot of bad news in this food and wine article. Yeah. Um, it, that was just one thing I had to say to you. My, my other thing I want to bring up early in the conversation about the champagne is if the trend where the restaurants were hurting and retail was hurting because no one was spending the money, why did they play games with champagne? Why mm -hmm. don't they, like, I'll give you, an, for instance, being in retail at the end of last year, the, the distributor had hit their number, say, for what they wanted to sell this year. So at the end of the year, they didn't bring in any champagne, which was probably good for them because this year they couldn't sell it. But I couldn't get champagne at the end of last year because the distributor hit their number and didn't want to bring any more in. Hmm. So things like that to me annoy me in, with champagne. And the other thing is they never, at this point, why not lower it a little bit? That was the thing that annoyed me about this situation was just that. And I, I, I like your phrasing of them playing games because that seems like that's part of what this whole article was saying was that there's a lot of manipulation that doesn't have to happen except that the producers don't want to take a hit and they don't want to lower the price of their particular bottle of champagne. So say, you know, whatever your brand is, they want to protect the reputation and the integrity of the brand and they don't want people to know that they can produce it and sell it for $25 a bottle and it'll be just as good. And it's more of this inflated reputation driven, oh, everyone knows that our bottle costs $50 a bottle. So we have to keep it at $50 a bottle or else people are going to get used to it at a lower price point and then we're never going to be able to sell it for that higher price point again. So that I think along similar lines to what you're feeling, that was what really was kind of annoying me. I'm like, just if you don't destroy the crop, just, you know, deal with the rest of the way that the rest of us are dealing with this situation. Yeah, so, and also on that same point, Kim, 
when true champagne once it's harvested this year and made and bottled that vintage usually is not released for what minimum years. two years three years even, even the non-vintage just their you know regular straight cuvee house style we're not going to see that for two years like that juice that was harvested right now we're not going to see for more than 18 months away so say two years away so yeah this so hmm. how can maybe they... this article's information or research was a little funny yeah well to, the numbers to me didn't add up because that would mean this year's low sales is impact on the harvest of two, three years ago and what was in the cellar. No big deal. If you wanted to move it, lower it, or just save it. And, or maybe and, it's a space issue. Maybe yeah. they're counting on selling a certain amount, a certain number of cases this year, and then they need that space that's moved out for the new vintage. So that could be part of it. And they were saying on the space thing, they were saying it's like a hundred million bottles that they fear will go unsold this year, which will cost that industry about $2 billion, $2 billion. So I just don't see, you know, why is this a problem when it's a, it's a, it's a product that will last Mm -hmm. or they can do things with it. And and we're still going to have new years, which is where everyone's still going to, uh, celebrate with it so even if we're still just stuck in our houses <laughs> we'll still yeah. pop open a bottle of champagne yeah and like you said the the champagne regulators were saying that they going to regulate less production this year so actually wasting the fruit or not allowing them to to produce as much so interesting year for champagne well i want to do more research on this since you gave me that little bit of uh sunshine about maybe this is not hundred percent the case of what's going on so i want to do a little more a little more reading and seeing what's out there with other people's opinions for yeah i don't think it's as bad as as you think thank you but uh, i mean definitely it's down but uh according to this report but it makes kind of sense with restaurants and stuff but yeah absolutely don't worry there's there's, (laughs) champagne is not going away (laughs) it's not going away still on the shelf You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Mark and Kim. You can find more information about Mark at his website, franklinliquors.com, and more information about myself at vinitaswineworks.com. It's an interesting uh, little article that we ran across in USA Today, of all places, talking about wine-related things. And I thought this one was really timely because it was how to use wine corks to repel fruit flies. And I was like, I thought I knew everything there was to know about wine corks. And I never heard the fruit fly thing before. Was this one uh, news to you, Mark? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about fruit flies and your invention with the, with the cop to trap <laughs> them. But not I, my invention. Yeah. I've never heard of, <laughs> but of it using works. a natural cork to uh, Me neither. draw them in. Yeah. So the, uh, the idea is that fruit flies don't like the smell of cork. So we're not talking every single cork that comes out of a bottle of wine. It has to be natural cork. It has to be clean. It has to be dry. Uh, it can't have any residual little bits of wine or wine crystals on there. And the idea is that the corks, because they're porous and they absorb moisture, they'll absorb moisture and some aroma 
and some other compounds that ripening fruit give off. And the fruit flies just don't like the smell of corks. And so they will stay away from your bowl of fruit if you throw a few clean, natural corks in there. So you're putting corks in some sort of jar <laughs> with some sort of fruit. And is that what they're saying, Kim? And then the fruit, it gets absorbed into the cork? So what, I tried this. So what I usually do is I have a bowl or two on my kitchen table that has bananas and apples and, you know, all that stuff that my kids like to eat. And at this time of year, we definitely do get the fruit flies that come in. And once those bananas start to get a little brown and soft, they're everywhere. So I tried this in a bowl with a couple of bananas and a couple of apples. And I threw, I think, five corks in there. And I did a couple of different kinds. So I did some that were champagne corks and then other ones that were just, you know, the regular shaped cork, but all natural cork. I cleaned them. I threw them in there. And one of my bowls, it didn't work at all. Those had, I think those had tomatoes in there and the fruit flies still really wanted to go to the tomatoes. But in the fruit bowl, it actually worked. They stayed out. It was pretty amazing. So, the, oh, okay. So they're not like clinging to the cork and dying. It's just revealed. No, they just don't, they just oh. don't go around the bowl. Yeah. Nice. It's, not a, it's not a killer of the fruit flies. It's more like repellent. Fruit yeah. So what were they repellent. saying the cork releases that they don't like? It, it didn't really specify. It didn't no? say, I think it's an odor that the fruit flies can smell, but that we can't obviously, and they just don't like it. So that did work. And the article was saying that now there are some producers that are making bowls specifically for fruit that are made from cork. So the bowl itself has like a cork uh, lining on the inside and you put your apples in there and the fruit flies will stay away. So that might be an interesting Christmas present for oh, the uh, wine lover on your list. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. And I have a million corks too, so I'll have to yeah. try it out. Now, the ones you used, they had no like red staining or anything on them? That they would... were still stained, but I had washed them off. So uh, there wasn't any like lingering odor of wine or anything. I think it was just the color. Yeah, because they were saying, be careful, make sure, like you said, it's dry and it's clean because if you just had stuff hanging on that cork, it's still going to attract them more than... Right, because we know away. fruit flies really do love wine, so... And I'm glad that you always go the next step, Kim, and, and <laughs> actually do the experiment with these things. <laughs> you know? I figure if we're going to talk about it, we might as well try yeah. it, right? <laughs> well, thank you. And I'm sure the listeners are thanking you and they're probably going to do it because you did it now. So this is a new thing in my kitchen. The fruit bowl has corks in it. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can send us messages on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers. Wine, wine.